0: And you'll see in this message, I hit a couple of things Sunday in my message, but I'm going to try to stick to my notes. But uh, I I quoted the scripture in Corinthians Sunday, uh, and it talks about our light affliction. And it says, which is? It's, It's real. You know, what we go through, you can't deny. I got faith. Well, you can't deny it. Well, I believe in God, but you can't deny what you're confronted with, what you're challenged with. We we never deny that. We just deny to have control over us and get in our mind and cause us to be frustrated, agitated, and we just step out of trust and faith in God. Are you here? So the Bible says, our light affliction, which is. And then it says, which is working, which is but for a moment. I'm telling you, the traffic is but for a moment. Compared to your lifetime, what's an hour? What's an hour and a half? What's two hours? It's but for a moment. But in that light of fiction, uh, fiction. in that light of affliction, I'm telling you, the Bible says for our light affliction, which is, it's true, it's happening, but it's for a moment. It's working. It's working something in us if you're in Christ. If you're not in Christ and you get in affliction you just get mad you just you just start sinning more you you don't run to God you run away from God and so the Bible says it is true which is but for a moment is working for who for us it's working and listen to this working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory and everybody knows what a weight is I give you a hundred pounds carried around that's what the weight is <laughs> and the whole premise of my message Sunday was this T- to whom much is given much is required and the Bible talks. Jesus talks about a parable that when the when Jesus comes back uh, we should be busy about his business and so what is his business his business is his will for your life. That's that's your business. Ain't my business, (laughs) but your business, and you need to stay occupied in the Father's business, and the Father's business is you doing his will. And so to do his will, you must know his will. And the Bible says you can know the will of God. It's in Ephesians. You can know the will of God. So when we seek him, we begin to know him y'all with me and so you know the Lord's gonna love on us but he's gonna show us our purpose and his will in our life and so we don't need to be ignorant of the will of God you ever get to that place in your life and you don't know what to do well don't call a friend don't call your pastor don't call the intercessors go to God and he may tell you to call a friend go to the pastor or the intercessors but go to God first anytime you have a need or you need, you need wisdom, go to the Lord. And the things will be, I think, I, I know the Lord, if he leaves us where we are, he doesn't do it because he doesn't love us, but he's not going to leave us alone. You know, he, he's going to go through things with us. And oftentimes, we just want to be prayed out of things. <laughs> Who, who's like that? Don't want to go through nothing. Nothing. I just want the easy road. It's not going to happen. That's a utopia that you're not going to find. Now, I'm telling you, the ease and the rest is within. The peace is within. It has nothing to do with what's on the outside, but you can have peace on the inside. And so that's how we make it through. He has a, He's with us on the inside, but the outside is very disturbing, and the outside is like, oh, my God, how does this work? And so... My point in saying all of that, and my whole message Sunday was this. As soon as you come out of something, living in this world, you're going to go right back into something else. Uh, I was talking to Becky, and uh, Becky said, man, she was crying in my service. I asked her, I said, why are you crying? She said, you just said some things that made sense. And she said, you know, they started a a ladies' Bible group. And, you, you know, once you start that, it's just so exciting. But then there comes a weight to that. And the weight is not a negative. The weight is a responsibility. So whatever God calls you to, there's going to be a weight to it. And that's why people won't step in the call because they already figured out if God's going to call me to something, it's going to take responsibility, it's going to take discipline, it's going to take some things that I don't have. Well, he's going to give you what you don't have, but everything God calls you to, there'll be a little weight to it. Because if it was just like walking on clouds and, you know, the peace is within, the rest remains within us, so everything God calls us to, it's gonna have a little weight to it. So just get used to it. You get married? Wait. You get a new job? Wait. You start your ministry. Ah, wait. <laughs> you gotta deal with people now. I want kids. Well, you have kids, wait. No money, wait. A lot of money? Ah, what to do? Wait. A good marriage, weight. A bad marriage, a lot of weight. (laughs) You know, so everything has weight to it. Everything is, you have to be responsible for it because Jen said it best in our meeting that our love for Jesus came through him just always accepting us and we realized it and then we received and accepted him and I mean my God. That's, that's the love of Jesus, and he did it all. And so from that point on, we have to be responsible with how he loved us and now what he wants to do with us. So that's a weight. And I, I really think people don't understand that. You know, they think they get in ministry and everything you say, everybody's just going to stand up and, applause and applaud. No, no. When you, you start ministering, you have haters now. And you love some people and they don't love you back you know what I mean and then now you got to love your enemies in the world we didn't have to but well, we didn't know you had to we'd fight our enemies but now we live in this kingdom where God puts responsibility on us and I don't know about you but I'm ready for it I want to be responsible because to to whom much has been given, much is required. And I'm telling you, God has given me a lot and he has given you a lot and we need to be responsible with what he's already revealed to us. What are you gonna do with all the knowledge that you have? What are you gonna do with the word that he's speaking to you? You need to be obedient and you need to be responsible okay I said that I'm gonna go on God is so good I thank God for my wife or I wouldn't be where I am today Uh, (laughs) let me say this too if (laughs) you know if if you are a part of this church and you really have our heart and if you're just starting to come and you're not you know it's we're not picking on anybody but if you're a part of this church and god's done something for you here uh we need a two-minute video on what brought you to the river what happened when you got to the river now we all we all know jesus is the center okay we all know he's the foundation of anything we talk about but we need some two-minute videos uh, to just begin to present on facebook as an advertisement for our 20-year anniversary and we really haven't ever done a anniversary so I need those that have our heart and God has really done something uh, for you through the ministry here through people like you here two minute two minute you start out you end it and we'll edit the ends in the beginning and we'll make you look really good and make sure your camera is sideways if you do it like this we can't accept it so it needs to be like this Got it? Uh, just send your video to me. Make sure you're in a lighted place. Make sure you have a, you know, you have a good background. <laughs> Don't do it why, why the cops just stop you because you were speeding. <laughs> you know, <laughs> make it look good. Don't fake it. Make it look good. Let's read Genesis 22. Verse 1, the Bible says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And that's where this message came from. The Bible says, Now it came to pass after these things God tested Abraham. So we're going to read a test of Abraham right here. But then I kind of rewind everything, we rewound everything, and I went and I looked up these things. And then those things are some points I want to talk about tonight. And uh, so we know that God tests. He'll test our faith. And so we know that the enemy tempts us to break us, but God tests us to make us. You got it? And, in the, you know, a test in school wasn't to make you look like a failure. It wasn't to embarrass you if you made uh, a bad, grade. it was to really make you. It was to hold you to a place of discipline that you would study and then you would be tested. And then once you tested and you make that A plus, you understand you can go on to the next item or the next level. And so the test with God is always to make us never, ever to break us. That's what temptation does. And so the Bible says um, that these, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham. And he said, Abraham said, here I am. You know what Abraham was saying? You ever do that? You ever get in prayer? Try it. Here I am. You know what Abraham is saying right there? He's saying, I'm ready to do your will. Here I am. That is the greatest confession of a heart right there before God. Here I am. I'm ready to do your will. And it's not like this. Here I am. I'm ready to do your will. If you pay my bills, (laughs) if you deal with my boss, if you help my crazy children, no, we don't negotiate. We submit. Here I am. You with me? Try it. Try it. Just go before. Here I am, Lord. I want to do your will. Now, listen, you may not know his will, but he'll tell you. If God gets your ear, he's going to start talking about his will, not yours. Because he'll put his desires in us if we delight in him. And then his desire is going to be his will, his dream, and his vision. So it's best just to submit and say, Lord, I'm ready to do your will. I did that 33 years ago. Because I had no purpose in my life. I was not filled. I wasn't right. And I'm like, you know, the one that made me, I'm going to submit to you. How many of y'all know that's a smart thing? (laughs) Go back to the manufacturer. (laughs) He has has the warranty on your life. He can redeem your life. So he said, and then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. I have found in life, God's going to want what you love. And he's not being mean, but he wants to be first. But he's not going to take what you love. He's going to ask for what you love. You know, Jesus told the rich young ruler, ruler, you know, he, he said he had it all together. I've done that. I've done that. Jesus said, go sell everything, give it to the poor. And he walked away sad. So he loved money. And Jesus required his money because he knew that was, that's where his heart is. And so anything that your heart, anything you've given your heart to that's in between you and God, the Lord will ask for it. And he knows what's best. And we need to know that he has our best interest in his heart, that he would never take something. for. He's not going to take it. He's not a taker. You have to forfeit it. You have to give it to him. And I'm telling you, I've learned in my life, anything I had to let go of and surrender, he gave me something better or he gave it back to me better. When I got saved, I had to lay down my music because my music was my identity. And the Lord said, you're not going to use it in church. You're not using it in church. I'm like, this is what I was called to do. And he wouldn't let me. He made me put down my music. So I could put him first. And once I got that together and I had him first, he gave me back my music. Now all my music is for him. My gift is for him because he gave me the gift. You like that? It's funny how giving God what he wants doesn't always make sense. (laughs) Giving God what he wants. Now, he's asking for Abraham's only begotten son. This makes no sense. And it's funny how God will want what you love the most. And it won't make any sense. And so that's where your faith comes in. That's where your love comes in doing things for God that you don't understand the end result. That's faith. Oh, Lord, okay, I'm going to give it, but what you going to give me back? That's not how it works. <laughs> it's not this give and take thing. It's what God says he's king. You know, he's king, and if we never lived under kingship. It, it would be better for us if we once lived under kingship. We'd better understand that because what the king says It's what the king gets, and there's no negotiating. But with King Jesus, he's saying things, and it's what he requires, but yet he gives us the opportunity of yes and no. And yes would be life, and no is surely death and no peace, turmoil, (laughs) trouble, (laughs) anxiety, fear, and destruction. But to say yes to the will of God is life. And so it's funny how God will ask you for things that sometimes don't really make sense. I'll tell you another one. You know, I, I, we didn't have the best family, but I loved my family. And when God saved me, I had to walk away from my family. It's like God required me to let go of my family to follow him. And some people never do that. The Lord even required me to walk away from my friends. It made no sense. And I'm telling you, in the beginning, he told me to leave that bunch. But I wouldn't. And because I didn't, I stayed too long in partnership with them. I started preaching at them. They got mad. And then I got mad because I'm immature. And so they, of course, were doing the wrong thing. But I did the wrong thing because I didn't listen to the Lord. Leave your friends. Let them alone. I want you. I want to train you up, and I can send you back to them later, but now you leave your friends. So God will ask you to leave things you love, and it won't make any sense. Anybody had to leave their family? The Bible talks about it. You you leave things to come to the Lord, and then he brings you back in areas. And he said, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, I don't know. We're not familiar with mountains in south Louisiana. There's three mountains right up the road here on the right. Did y'all see them? I call them the three peaks of Brule. They're three mounds of dirt. They're about... They're not high as this building, but that's the, that's the biggest mountain you're going to see down here. <laughs> I said, Sue, that's the triple peaks of Brule right there. That's it. One day they're there, the next day they're gone. I don't know if you know mountains, but when you're in the mountains, you can't see all the mountains. You see the one mountain that's in front of you. You can't see past that. I remember when we were on the backside of Russia, and some crazy missionary decided we're going to the top of the mountain horseback riding and i never did horses but the snow was this deep so we're on horses and and i mean you know it's not cold but it's just a lot of snow and our our guides are on a horse two of them young boys bareback no shirt no shoes and we were told just follow them I'm like Where are we are gone. going <laughs> and listen we got on those horses and they started going through that snow and it was you know I mean it was hard for horses they were sweating perspiring water was running off of them and it's cool and so these horses were working and finally when we got to an area in the mountains for, for some they didn't have the snow drifts and so we could see the peak that we were going to and so that's our goal let's go to that peak so we'd ride we'd ride for an hour once we get to the peak we saw there was another mountain there was another mountain peak so we said well that's that's the peak we gotta go so we ride for another couple of hours we get to that peak and then we'd see well there's another mountain there's a higher place and so we did this like four times before we reach the top and so this was Abraham God saying go to those mountains that's something in the distance go to those mountains Where's that? Go 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 that away. And that's kind of how we are led by the Spirit. Just we're going this away. And we don't even know specifically sometimes where we're going. We're being led by the Spirit. Y'all y'all get a witness on that? You're being led by the Spirit. Uh, matter of fact, Abraham left his home not knowing where he was going. And so that's pretty good description of a Christian life sometime now we know the will of God and we get glimpses of what's to come but there's a lot of dots that need to be connected and walking between those points is faith we're just we're just trusting God that we'll get to the next place so Abraham actually just hit it out and he called it over yonder we're gonna read about that right here and so The Bible said Abraham rose early in the morning. Now, God said, go that way. Go to this distant place. So he just got up the next morning. He told his wife, Sarah, Sarah, I'm going to sacrifice our son on that mountain over yonder. I mean, she must have freaked out, huh? Unless she believed the God of her husband and she just got an agreement with him. Now, that's another faith level that you got to get in. It's one thing for you to serve God and follow God, but when you got to get your wife to get with you or your wife got to get you to get with her, that's a whole different (laughs) realm. And so now she probably gave the head shake. Okay, okay, going on the mountain over there somewhere, sacrifice our son, our only begotten son. Okay, Lord, we're just going to trust you. Sometimes God will call you to things that make no sense. And so that's why it's good when God is calling you to do something. Don't get a multitude of counsel from the world. I see people on Facebook all the time, good Christians. They're asking the world what to do. I'm like, I mean, I ain't going to say the word, but you're going to ask the world what to do? You're going to throw out a fleece? and just hope somebody on Facebook might just say something and you're going to bite at it? No, you better go to the Word of God and then get a witness in your own spirit. I'm not saying nobody can answer you on Facebook right, but the chances are you won't get the right answer. And if you do, listen to me, it'll come through an inbox, not publicly, because the person will care enough for you. They're just not going to get in your emotional state on Facebook to help you they're gonna come around the back door and they say baby let me tell you what you need to do get off of Facebook (laughs) (laughs) so Abraham he actually he heard the word of the Lord so he's gonna be obedient he rose early in the morning saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him And Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place now listen he went right to the place but he didn't know the place the Bible says he he raised his eyes and he could see where he was going but he didn't know the the place but this word tells me he went to the place of which God had told him so God didn't tell him everything in the beginning God was talking to him on the way. How many of y'all know it works like that? If God gives you a word and you don't step out into it, don't expect God to talk again. That's like you tell your own kid, go clean your room. Or you're not going to have the car keys. Well, if they don't clean the room, if they're not obedient to the words that you spoke by authority, why would you give them the car keys? But people still do that. But God don't play like that. He'll speak to you. And he'll wait for you to take a step. And once you take that step, then more information will come. I found in my life when God speaks to me and I take a step of faith in the right direction, really in the right direction, but not knowing where I'm going, all of a sudden in that walk, I begin to see billboards. This is good. This is a witness. That's right. And you just, you just begin to walk with the Lord and you get a witness along the way. It's like... It's just like signs show up. Confirmation shows up. It's like when the Lord told David to pursue those that uh, stole everything that he had. And he sought the Lord and the Lord said, pursue and you will recover everything. Well, he just took off in a direction. It doesn't, God didn't even tell him the direction. He just said, pursue. And so the Bible says, if we plan our ways, the Lord will order our steps. So it's something about when God says, do it, we just start. You know what I mean? We, we plan on starting. And once we start, it's like he orders our steps. And, and it just works out. And, there's, you know, and so what happened, when David took out to recover all of his stuff, he met this e- Egyptian. And the Egyptian was a sign he was on the right trail. He says, like, who are you? He said, well, this army that stole all your stuff, I wasn't feeling good, so they just left me behind. They over there. <laughs> and so he's right on the right path, and it was all set up by God. David just planned to do, will to do what the Lord told him to do, and God just ordered his steps, and he recovered all. And he's not a respecter of people. What he did for David, he'll also do for us. Now listen, the Bible says he went to the place of which God had told him then and that's the way it is you start out then it happens but if you don't start if you don't take the step of faith you'll never see the then the then won't be manifested and the Bible says then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off so in other words he walked a long ways But now he spotted the place. He's on it. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder. That's part of my message. Tell your neighbor, go yonder. That means this is something out in front of us. This is something bigger than us. This is something beyond us. This is something in the distance. This is something in our tomorrow. This is something in our future, but we have to start walking to it. And if you're walking into your destiny and you're walking into the future, that's the journey. And so you've got to get in the process, which is the journey. And then he said, and worship. We're going yonder and worship. That's the first time we see worship in the Bible. First time we see the word worship in the Bible, and we could summarize a lot of stuff right here what worship is worship is obedience worship is putting God first worship is giving this is the giving moment of the church right now you may bring your offering you may bring your tithe you understand worship is you know giving and even the Bible says when you bring your offering if you if you you have art with someone leave your gift at the altar and go get that straight. Let there be some forgiveness in there. So in, you know, forgiving and giving, it's all honorable before the Lord. Amen? And I'm telling you, once you've been forgiven, you become a giver. If you don't get the revelation of what you've been forgiven of, you'll never be a giver. Most people don't give because they don't know or they've forgotten what Jesus did for I say this all the time. You were not almost going to hell. We were going. I don't care how pretty and nice and sweet you look. Without Christ, we don't get there. And so he forgave us. That right there is a revelation. I'm going to give him my life and whatever else he requires. Okay, so the whole deal, and he said, me and the lad will come back. And so he had faith that God would do. What he said he would do. And apparently he had a revelation that him and his son would come back. But listen to this. And this, this is, this is, what's the word? This is sinner in walking in faith. Don't worry about the howls. Just do what God says do. How's he gonna do it? How's he going to raise my son if I sacrifice? Ah, he never went there. And don't go with the wise either. Just say, here I am. Just, Just be obedient. Just step out in faith and just do what God says do. What he's joined you to, he'll keep you with. Whatever he's brought you out of. He'll keep you out of it. Whatever happened in life after you were a Christian, just go back to the Lord. Just start seeking him again. Don't, don't worry about how, why this happened, how this happened, why they did this, why they did that. I mean, it's all confusion. Just Keep your eyes on Jesus. So he got in a journey, and so his whole life was a journey to come to this place On top of that mountain that was the culmination that was his destiny that's what we remember about Abraham and Isaac the most he's the father of faith the Bible calls him a friend of God he didn't get that title just like that that title came to him God called him that because he was in the journey with God and they walked hand in hand that's why the Lord could call him a friend You're with me. He got in the journey. He got in the process. He got in the pace with the Lord. It just didn't happen overnight. And it's the same thing with us. The will of God or your destiny or the great call on your life, it will not happen overnight. You got to put your hands in the hand of the Lord and just walk with him. Get in the journey. Don't get out the journey. Stay in the light as he is in the light. Don't get out the light. Don't fellowship with darkness. Don't fellowship with lawlessness. We witness to all of that, but we don't fellowship with it. So Abraham didn't begin on top of the mountain. And so I got seven steps, and they're all encounters of God. And the first one is very simple. Kind of shared a little bit about it Sunday. He was called out of a paganistic land, and it was called the Ur of the Chaldeans. It means uh, flames of destruction. That's where we were. All of these things have to happen so you can get God's best. He got God's best. He fulfilled his destiny because he did these seven things. There's probably other things, but I'm just limited, limited to, to these seven. You know, I can't, I can't do the whole Bible in one thing, but it's just these seven steps for God's best. And the first one was, I believe with all of my heart, because this is where I, this is where I was. In darkness, I was so discontented. That, that's number one, a place of discontentment. If you want to go to the next level in God, you will always come to a place you're just not satisfied with. You, you're not mad, but you just know there's more. You know what I mean? You're not swinging at people and mad and ornery and all that. I'm not saying that. You love God, you love people, but you come to a place in your life. And uh, this is where I was at one time. I was lost and I I didn't I didn't I knew I was in the wrong place. I knew I had a purpose. I knew I wasn't living right. And I knew there was more. There had to be more. And I came to the place like I just want more. Where's God? All right. And boom, Jesus shows up. And so it'll happen like that in, in your whole journey. You know, you start walking, you get to this peak, and you know it's all good, and all of a sudden you get a little discontented. Not mad. and not in a way of unbelief or anything. It's just you get to a place in your Christian walk, you just know there's more. I think everybody's there right now. You know, you... So the place of discontentment, that was, that was the first encounter he had with God. I'm just, I don't feel, I don't feel purposeful. I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm what is my call? And when he got to that place, God called him. I believe, that's what happened to me. I got to that place in my heart. I needed more. I needed life because life wasn't life. I knew there had to be more. And when I found Jesus, I found life. So the Lord found me in this state of discontentment, and I had an encounter with Jesus, and I got supernaturally saved. Come on, somebody. So same thing happened to our father of faith. You see, what's good about knowing about Abraham is that it's hard to understand Abraham until we get in Jesus. Once we get in Jesus, we can look back at Abraham's life life in light, in Christ. And those things that were hidden that nobody could understand, now we got the eyes of the Lord. And we can see traits and attributes and ways and faith in Abraham that now we can take and apply in our life in Christ. Amen? Y'all got that? So Abraham was born in sin, shaped in iniquity, just like you and I. Sin shaped us. You don't believe that? Look at your mugshot, your license, before you were saved. Your whole countenance was shaped in sin. You you can almost look at it and see what sin you were in. You, You can see the darkness. And so sin and iniquity, it actually started to make who we were. And we knew it wasn't us. Anyway, he stayed with his father. His father died. Once his father died, he moved on. And his father dying was a type of the old man. When we got saved, uh, we died to our own nature and we moved on. Number two, the Bible said that he said to Abraham the power of prayer. In other words, he began a dialogue with God. That's what happened to me. Once I came in Christ, I came out the flames of destruction, I came into Christ, all of a sudden, God and I, we had this dialogue. He loves me. He's beginning to speak to me by his spirit. And so this same thing began to happen with Abraham. If he didn't have this, it was a personal relationship. When I say prayer, I mean communication. No, don't take it no further than that. You pray, yeah, I pray. Well, that means you communicate with God. That's it. You you know, you can explain it in a number of different ways, but that's all it is. If you're praying and it's not communication with God, or you're not praying his word because his word is his voice, you know, we're not even praying. There won't be any power in it. Am I speaking too fast? So you start praying. He starts communicating with God. Now God has him in a tent. And he's just—he's putting up his tent wherever God says put up your tent. Stop here. Boom, he stops. Live here, live here. And God says, pick it up, let's go. Pick up his tent. He's moving again. That's the journey. And this, he started to speak to God, so this was the second encounter. He has a dialogue with the Lord. He's developing faith. God God wants him to trust him, so he's speaking to him, and he's watching Abraham. Is is he being obedient? And y'all know, as Christians, we move from faith to faith, glory to glory, faith to faith and we know, y'all heard me say this, faith is one thing, we got it, but the two is a problem. <laughs> you know, we, we in God, we know what to do right here, and we good, set the tent, we want it permanent, permanent, don't move, this is good, I'm, I like this, comfortable, but it says faith to faith, so there needs to be transitions, and so when the transition comes, you gotta have faith, but the two, the next level is the transition, the wilderness That people don't like that being that place of being uncomfortable. Picking up your tent. You gotta change. No, I don't want change. I don't want change. I don't want change. I don't want change. (laughs) But you see, Abraham, like us, he was getting used to God speaking to him, and he just got used to just obeying the Lord. That was number two. Number three, I touched on this a very little. The Bible says, one who will come from your own body so god had promised abraham and sarah a child and uh you know we do the same thing abraham we can just look from christ back abraham had an ishmael it was the arm of the flesh he pushed his way so you know he said i'm gonna have a kid with a witch after you god i'm not waiting so he had a kid but it wasn't the (laughs) promised child it wasn't the god child it was something manipulated something formed manufactured by man's intent you all with me he didn't stay in the pro- he stepped out but that's good news too you step right back in just ask for forgiveness and so he actually had that child isaac y'all okay with this he was a hundred years old a hundred a hundred and he waited 25 years god spoke you're going to have a child. And then he kind of messed up, had another child. But God spoke. 25 years later, he, Sarah is birthed. I mean, Sarah's sagging. Sarah don't had no teeth. Her head and fell. I don't know what she looked like, but at 100, you ain't looking like you 20. You know what I'm talking about? And so there we go again. We're looking. How, how is God going to? No way. And then he looks in the mirror like, ah, oh, this double trouble right here. <laughs> I ain't looking good. She's not looking good. This ain't going to work. But don't go with the howls. Don't just just do what God says. He's gonna, You're going to have a child. Yes, thank you, Lord. I'm going to have a child. Ooh. Sarah, let's go in the tent. No, I got a headache. <laughs> so y'all understand. So it's not looking good. It's not looking good at all. And so my, my third component here, he had an encounter. Listen to me. He had an encounter with patience. He had to apply patience and endurance in his life or he would have never seen that promised child. He would have never had the promise of God was a son, was a seed. And so it's the same way with us. If we don't mix patience with our faith, you will never serve God correctly. You can have all the faith in the world, no patience, you're going to blow it. Or you can have all the patience and no faith, people are going to run over you. And so you mix faith and patience, and you'll see the promises of God uh, come to pass. So this is what happens with me. I don't know about you, but God tells me something. And then what I see does not align at all with what God is saying. I'm telling you, the Lord's been telling me this church is about to explode. But nothing I see right here aligns with that promise. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what the Lord showed me, so I'm going to keep speaking it by faith. (laughs) Well, I know, and I mean, you know, you're not Ishmael. You're a bunch of Isaacs. I got that. But you understand. Now, you know things in your life. God says this is going to happen, and then you look. Why is your world not lining up with the Word? You ever get there? God says this, but the world you live in and what you have before you and your family and your finances, none of it lines up. I think God purposely allows that because he wants us to trust, us, trust him. Y'all got that? I remember when God called me to pastor, and people asked me today, who called you to pastor? What makes you a pastor? I say, God. I can confidently say that because God made me a pastor. I didn't make myself a pastor. And so, but when God called me to pastor, I couldn't see it. How do you, I can't do this. I can't even converse with people. I can't stand before people. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, have we all been there before? And so this is what happened. God will put people in your life to tell you again what God said. And oftentimes you hear God, and you get a witness in here. But sometimes you need some flesh. You you just need a man or woman of God to just come right behind what God said and tell you the same thing. And it's just like, okay, I'm ready to saddle the horse and we're gonna ride now. And my father in faith, uh, brother Clark, when I was in Bible school, almost not every day, but quite often, he would just turn to me and say, "You a pastor?" He would just turn to me and say, you a pastor. And when he'd do that, I'd look back and I thought it was somebody behind <laughs> me. <laughs> and no, he said, you. And then he would constantly do that. And I, I, didn't, I didn't understand it. I, I really, I'm like, I was flattered. I think I was kind of young in the Lord, didn't know how to take it. I think I got my head swole up a little bit. But I finally realized he saw something in me I didn't see in myself. And so God will show you something in you that you can't see yourself. And he'll have people you surround yourself with. You know, confirm what God said. Don't go looking for it. You know, just don't go looking to be you know, for a word, but God will just do it. And that that got me where I needed to be so I could fulfill the call of God on my life. Number 4. You have to part with possessions. This is a tough one. And we see, I'm going to just tell the story. It came to a place in uh, Abraham's life that God was going to, he was going to, he's drawing up a contract. It's me and you, Abraham. A covenant. This is going to be a covenant. So he had him get three animals, a a goat, a heifer, a lamb, and two birds. That's right. And so he said, "Cut the animals in half." So they cut them in half, and he said, "You know, separate them." Then they took the pigeon and the dove and separate. Didn't cut them. I don't know why. What significant is that? I don't know. Figure it out, Chris. <laughs> so anyway, he said, "Separate the pieces." When I read that, this is what the Lord told me. He wants to be this. And then the Bible says, "A fire came." This was a type of the Christ to come and the fire came right in the middle of what he owned. That was that's that represented what he owned. Back then, you know, I mean, today if he'd do that, he'd cut our cars in half or our house in half or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but today, in that day, it was the livestock. That was their wealth. That's what they trusted in for life, to eat and, you know, everything else. So he actually told him to cut it, separate it, and then he it was a type of Christ being the center. we have to prioritize our life this was the encounter that he had that God had to be first and foremost in his life the the Lord wants to be the center of everything it, it, you see it's not one-sided half there half there Christ in the middle and and we're, we're in him and he's in us so we're close to him and not so close to our possessions isn't that good number five. number five is the position all of them appease. The position of power. This is where he met El Shaddai. And God said, I am El Shaddai. I looked that up. It means the strong-breasted one. And in those days, you know, if you had a child, the breast was the life of the child. There wasn't anything else. This was the best nourishment for a child. It wasn't Klein Peter's milk or Borden's milk or some formula. It was the breast of the lady. And so El Shaddai means strong-breasted one. And so that is telling me he had another encounter with God that now all of your nourishment will come from God. All of your nourishment, will, all of your strength, all of your identity, everything, all of your growth. All of your stableness, all of your soundness, all of your strength, all of who you are will come from the strength and the nourishment of the Lord alone. And so I I asked the question Sunday morning, what makes your life good? And I'll ask you that again. If you say money, of course it makes your life good. You say a new car, of course it makes your life good. But what about when all that flies away? Is life not good? You understand, we can't determine life by what we have or what we don't have. We don't determine our riches by the abundance of possessions. Our life is the nourishment that God gives us. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. It's the daily nourishment. We talked about it in Chris's class. Why do we love Jesus? Because he nourishes us. He not only saved us, But he walks with us. We received him by faith. Now we walk by faith. It's a journey. We're we're on a journey growing up into maturity. And so number five is is this position of power, and it all comes from the nourishment of God. Our power is his power. Our strength is his strength. Our intelligence and our insight and our wisdom, it all comes from the Lord. Listen, I'm not that smart. Don't shake your head big. But the Lord gives us wisdom. You understand? The Lord gives us wisdom. I just, I'm going to read this scripture because I just wrote it down. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. You know, we always talk about uh, a generous God, and he's generous, so we give cheerfully. Right? So listen to this scripture. And God is able. How many of y'all know that? that's a true statement? He's able. Now, we believe that. But when life hits hard, we don't go to God. I'm telling you, whenever life hits hard, go to God first. You can go to the doctor, but go to God first. You can take medicine, but go to God first. You can go to counsel, but go to God first. You can call me, but before you call me, go to God. We purposely, I'm going to tell you a secret. No, I ain't going to tell you. We don't answer every question that's thrown out to us by some impulse or some knee-jerk kick because of something happened in your life. We purposely don't call you right back. I don't. You can ask Susan. Don't look at me funny. <laughs> Susan will call you back. <laughs> Listen, if somebody calls me, I'm just riding down the road, just minding my business. Susan say, Kevin called you. And I'm not saying Kevin's looking for something, Kevin called you and should just dial Kevin and stick the phone to my ear. I'm like, I don't want to talk. Give me some time. Just give me a little time. Kevin call you. Donna call you. Jason call you. Missy call you. You know what I found out? Most Christians, if you don't go to their aid, being a first responder, they'll figure it out. Let them, let them bake a little while. Let them cook. Let them, let them fry a little bit. Let them get anxious. Throw a fit. After they do something stupid, they'll call on the Lord then. So we always give people a little time. Y'all not laughing with me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Danielle and Jeremy, they call us, you know. And I, we want them to. We want to know what's going on. But, you know, sometimes it's just, well, we need this. We're we going under. Whoever gets to, I'm going under call. <laughs> I mean, you get the call. We, we ain't going to make it. And I'm like, Jesus, this is about the 10th time you call me in the last two years. And you always made it to, to turn yourself and begin to trust the Lord. And so we always just give them a little time. You know, today people will text you. That's, that's when we, <laughs> we give you plenty of time. Because <laughs> if you call and don't answer the phone and they say, I called you, and you wouldn't answer the phone. You can't say, I know I didn't. (laughs) All your nourishment must come from God, nowhere else. That's where your power, that's where your strength. Thank God for friendships. Thank God for money. Thank God for the church. Thank God for brothers and sisters. But I'm telling you, in the end, When the day's over, you ever heard that line? (laughs) Your nourishment needs to come from the Lord. Number six, I just named it posterity. It's it's what comes out of us. It's it's our families. It's, It's those that come out of us. And I'm telling you, Abraham went through something and God got with him on it. And if you're going to finish your destiny, and that's what this whole message is about, is finishing your, your race, is, is pressing on, not quitting. You're going to have to deal with your family. You, you, eventually, now God may pull you out for a while, but eventually you're going to have to deal with your family. So God's about to destroy Sodom. He's, he's going to destroy it, and he's about to do it. And he starts to think, "I can't do this. I got to consult with Abraham first. I-, I can't. You understand? God, give us some more time with our family. Let's reason this out. <laughs> I want all my family members saved. Let's talk." Yeah, I'm getting to that. But he was standing in the gap for his family. So don't give up with your. Don't give up on your family. I'm not saying you need to fellowship with them because sometimes you got to get away to get strong before you go back. We already talked about that. But don't give up on your family. You're going to have to deal with your family. And God dealt with Abraham. He told him, you go get Lot. That's your nephew. You go get him. And you go get that whole bunch, uh, Lot's wife, and there were other people, Lot's daughters. And so you understand, God was interested in his families. In his family. So he had him go get Lot. And it wasn't easy. He had had to go out of his way. It was a place that he was really disgusted with. It it wasn't a good thing. And sometimes God will call us to do some things that we just don't want to do. You know, and Lot may have been that family member that you have that's done this all your life. Did this to you all your life. Maybe the one that hurt you. Maybe the one that really hurt you. Maybe the one you hold in that offense against. And God will require you to deal with your family. You start out praying. He did. He did. But Abraham stood in the gap and he prayed for his family. He, he, he consulted the Lord. They went back and forth and got Lot out. Amen. So before you finish your journey, your family's going to be attacked. That's what I saw in this encounter. Before you finish your journey, if they haven't already been attacked. And so that's why we have to live holy. We have to live in a righteous way for our children, for our friends, for our immediate family, extended family, because they're all watching us. And I'm telling you, the enemy, if he can't take you out, he's going to attack your children some of us are strong and if he can't stop you he's gonna try to stop your children but don't give up on your children always be looking back always be praying for your household I believe in household faith how about you the jailer when Paul broke out of prison the jailer was scared to death he pulled a sword he was gonna slit his own throat and they said do yourself no harm next thing we know Paul's baptizing the whole jailer's household and they all got saved. Who believes in household faith? Yeah. Even Ananias, his whole household got saved. Jairus, his whole household got saved. But it took one person to start serving the Lord faithfully. Number seven, and this one with a P2, he finally got to the place called there. Y'all heard. My message on the place called there when uh, Elijah was being called out it was a famine he was called to the brook Cherith and uh, there's no water but he's God's calling him to a brook but there's no water but when he gets there there's water that's why you can't ask God how you just do it and so he got there and then there was water but there was no food and all of a sudden He's thinking, I need food, and then he hears the wings of, a ra- of ravens flapping. Plap, 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 All of a sudden, biscuits were just dropping. McDonald <laughs> biscuits were dropping out the sky. And so God took care of the prophet because he planned on doing the will of God. He took a step of faith to go where God was telling him to go. When he got there, there was no water. Then it was water. When he needed food, food just fell out the sky. And when the food ran out, he called him to a widow widow's woman's house (laughs) that didn't have nothing, was stone cold broke. He's calling the man that needed provision to a lady that had nothing. How does that work? Why are you doing that, God? I don't know. Just do what God says do. So he goes there. The lady has one meal left. The preacher said, I want it. And the lady gives it to him. And because the lady honored the prophet, God started to honor the lady. So the prophet got what he needed, and then the lady got everything she needed. Got out of debt. Come on, somebody. Good story. And so the the destiny is to get to the place God has called you to be. And it's somewhere over there. It's over yonder. (laughs) It's distant. It's in the future. And, you know, for somebody here, it might be to be married. But that's just one mountain peak. That's not all of it. That's just part of the journey. To somebody else here, it might be starting a business. To somebody else, maybe family members getting saved. To somebody else, it might be stepping into ministry. You know, it's, it's so it's di- we're at different levels, different stages. But we stay in the journey that we can fulfill our call in life. And if Jesus doesn't return in my lifetime, I want to finish my course. And I know I'm headed in the right direction. I don't know everything, but I'm headed in the right direction. I'm going to keep my eyes on the Lord. So going back to to please God, he's going to require you to give up something that you love. Y'all remember me saying that? And this is what God does too. You, you ever said, I never will? <laughs> and, and people say, well, don't never say never will. Well, if, it, if it's God's will, you can say, I never will, I never will. You You don't have to say nothing. If it's God's will and you love God, you need to do it. You just had never heard it before. You saw somebody else would call to it and it freaked you out. You understand, you saw God calling somebody to something, and it's like, I never, I'm not going to do that. Well, you can't. You don't have the grace. But growing up in Christ, you will find out that God will put his heart in your heart. And the things that you said you would never do, like I can't, I can't talk before people. I can't. I went to St. John, and when it was time for speech class, I'd get up, I'd turn blood red, and I'd run out the room. And twice at LSU, I was in speech class. One year, I got up, turned blood red, ran out, quit the course. <laughs> Next year, I, I signed up again for speech class, got in front of the class, turned blood red, ran out the course again. I just couldn't do it. I ain't doing that no more. You know what? I went a third time, and I hit it, and I did it. I, you know, the Lord was moving on my heart for some reason. And today I can stand for people in front of people, and I'm not, I'm not scared. I was, we were looking at pictures in Indonesia. we like, look at the people. I mean, there were thousands of people. Thousands of people we preached before. We've, I preached thousands of messages in this church, hundreds of hours of Bible school. I mean, how do you do that when you don't feel like you can as a young Christian? You stay in the journey. You stay, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how, un, how not intelligent you are. I, I'm, not a peop- I'm not a people person. Well, you might not be, but when you get in Christ, you'll learn to love people. You'll become a people person. It just happens because he touches your heart. He loves you, so you learn how to love. And in the world, we were running on empty. <laughs> we didn't have the giftings working in our life for the Lord. Anyway, this is what Abraham, you know, in this day, I never thought about this, but in this day, the pagans were offering up their children as a sacrifice to their gods because even pagans know that if you're going to give something to God, you give your best. They knew that. Of course, their god couldn't talk, didn't have ears to hear, eyes to see, or heart to understand what they were saying. But they, they had this idea in them, which I think was planted by their creator, but they didn't know him, that if you're going to give something to a God, you give your very best. So what was their best? Their seed, their firstborn male, kids. So that's what the pagans did. He was a pagan. He wasn't a Jew. He wasn't in love with God. That's all he saw all his life. Is the people he worshiped, the false gods to, just giving their children to the fire, to the gods of fire, or the gods of whoever they were. And so he hated that once he came in Christ. He was like, "That was that's an abomination. I will never do that. <laughs> God will require of you what you said you would never do. I'll never do that. See, when you, when you make these statements over and over, I will never, 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 God's going to say, well, okay, I want to see how much you love me. Do this. I'm sure Abraham said it. Oh, I'll never do that. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. I'll never do that. God asked him to do it. How about that? God asked him to do it. And you know what he said? Okay. God, that's faith right there. Something you said no to all of your life. Something you resisted all of your life. Something you told your friends all of your life. Many of you said, I'd never go to that river church. (laughs) I ain't going. I said it. I ain't going to a church like this. ain't no way. (laughs) I ain't coming to some crazy house like this. I said it. Ask my wife. I ain't no way. I ain't never going to speak in tongues. Shake it up. I'll never go to those long services. I'm not going to that church where the preacher reads your mail. No no way. I'm not doing that. What I hated, I became. I didn't understand this Jesus freaky thing I became. (laughs) Isn't that good? So this, really, this whole story wasn't about child sacrifice because he didn't have to sacrifice his child. But he he went the whole way. As the knife came down, God said, stop. Now listen, in the beginning of this story, he raised his eyes and he couldn't see clearly his purpose and in the most important part of his life what he was called to do to show us today the Christ and really what he did was to show all the Jews the Christ to come and a lot of them missed it when, when he saw in a distance and didn't understand he walked towards it he lifted up his eyes and he walked towards it and once he got to the culmination of his life and he was performing his duty and the will of God, and God said, stop. Then he lifted his eyes. This was eyes of understanding. You understand, as you walk this journey, you don't understand it all. You can't see good. It's like far away, little glimpses, little pieces and parts of the whole puzzle. But the closer you get to your destiny, you begin to raise your eyes up, and you begin to understand God will provide. He saw the ram in the bush. I said it Sunday, as he was on his journey up the mountain to sacrifice his son, God had already cut loose a ram from a flock. He left the 99, and the ram was coming up the other side of the mountain as he was walking up this side to do the will of God. I'm telling you, you will run into your provision if you serve the Lord. And this is what happened. When he saw that ram, it starts to talk about Jehovah-Jireh, our provider. And God got so excited. This is what he said, I swear. That's what he said. He swore. He swore to Abraham that he would bless him. Now, when we swear, you know what we do? We put our hand on the Bible. We're supposed to, and what we do, we're swearing by something bigger than us. That's what it means. You understand? Oh, I swear. You can ask Pastor Butch. You understand? People try to use people something a little bigger than them, that they can prove themselves. You ever do that? I swear. Ask my mama. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? So we, we swear and we make these statements and we back it up with somebody that maybe has better integrity than us or maybe are sounder than us because we want to be proved. Y'all, y'all got that? So this is what God did. He said, I swear I'll bless Abraham. But God didn't have anything to swear by because what's bigger than God? So you know what God had to actually do? I don't know how this is done, but it's just what I saw when I started thinking of it. God had to step out of himself to swear to himself. (laughs) Because he couldn't swear by me. He couldn't swear by what he already created because he was bigger than what he created. So he had to step out of himself to swear by himself And if he had not, now listen to this, if he had not done what he swore to do, he would have self-destructed because he swore by himself. And everything he is holds everything together. So if a flaw would come in God and he wouldn't hold his promise because he swore by himself, everything would just disintegrate, fall apart, Because his word of integrity is holding all of everything together. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? And so he doesn't lie. Because if he lied, everything would fall apart. That's so good. I'm almost to the end. Somebody say, that's good. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Who wants to get to the place called there? The land of Moriah. Wow. I'm going to end right here. I'm probably going to preach on this one day. Somebody say the four T's. (laughs) T's. (laughs) This is how God deals with me. First of all, he talks to me. He tells me what to do. Or he'll tell me who I am to him. Y'all got that? First T. In the walk of faith. He talks to you. That's what he did with Abraham. Second T, he'll test you in what he's called you to do to see how serious you are with him. That's what he's done for me. He'll talk to you about what you need to do. It could be something very simple. And once you start walking in that, he'll test you in that to see how serious you are. Don't they do that in school? They test you to see, do you know it? Are you serious about learning this? God's no different. He's the teacher. He's our God. And the reason he tests us and he wants us to pass is because he wants to trust us. So he tells, he tests so he can trust. Y'all want to know the last T? I'm going to preach on this. It's so we can see and we can trace back how faithful God is. Isn't that good? Just think about it. over your lifetime what God told you and when you did it. And man, when you stepped out, it's a test. Oh, my God, what have I done? I started a church It's like, oh, my God, what have I done? Well, the test came when it got hard. Too much is given. Which is required and so the test comes when it's hard the test is not hard when it's not hard (laughs) and so once you pass the test he says well okay we can go to third grade now you pass the test I can trust you with this you can be faithful with this because you passed the test I trust you and so then he gives you some more talk then he gives you another test and if you pass the test, he can trust you. So you move to the fourth grade. Then he talks again. He's always talking. If you have a relationship, you don't have a relationship, he's not talking. He talks, he tells you to do something. Then there's the test. Once you pass the test, he trusts you. And listen, this keeps happening. It keeps happening. And then you find out where you are and you can trace back. The trace. Oh, my God. He did everything he told me he was going to do. But I had to be responsible. God's not in control if he tells you to do something and you don't do it. (laughs) We out of control. So this thing about God's in control? No, God's in control if you partnership with him and you honor him and you do his will. So I have watched over my whole life, and I didn't get it all right. I didn't pass every test. So when you don't pass a test, you go back. You take it again. How many of y'all know taking the test a second time is easier? Sometimes. If you learned and remembered what was on the first test. Now, if you didn't remember what was on the first test, you're taking it again and you're still in the same place. So you got to learn something in the test even though you fail. And so over the years passing the test, who's with me? passing the test everybody here just think about the things you've walked through how faithful god was just look back on your life and everybody's worried about what's tomorrow look back and see what god has already done and how faithful he's been and he never left you never forsake you he was always there for you if it wasn't god he'd send somebody If he didn't send somebody, you ended up in a service like this, and God spoke a word to you, encouraged you, and it's like it's an open book test. Oh, revelation. Oh, man, I got it. Pastor said do this. I did it. Y'all got it. He talks, he tests, he trusts, and then you trace back. It's good stuff right there. I like it. That's it. I want to pray that you will be the Lord's sacrifice. The Bible says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, not of death, but of life before a dying world. I want to get something straight. You know, we always sing this song. How does it go? Jesus before me, the world behind me. I like to flip the thing. That's fine when you first get saved. Jesus before me, the world behind me. How about we go to the cross, now Jesus is behind us and the world is before us and we go and get them saved. How about that? Why don't we we think about what we got and what we need now to give away It's the revelation of who Jesus Christ is in our life. So this is the new saying, Jesus is behind me, Jesus is in me. Jesus is with me, and the world is before me, and we go and get them saved. Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you just as our Father in faith had many, many encounters with you, and step by step, he honored you by fulfilling uh, what you had asked him to do, even though it was hard, even though it was difficult, even though there were many, many, how is this going to work, how is this going to happen i can't even imagine climbing this mountain i can't even imagine living in a tent and moving moving just you know it wasn't a fire by night and a cloud by day but it was the presence of god it was the voice of god like fire and the voice of god of comfort just let's do this together and he would just move it wasn't his life it was the life of God in him that he wanted to fulfill and I thank you Lord it won't be any different in this church I thank you that everybody here that's born again filled with the Holy Ghost is truly a man and a woman of faith and they are a friend of God because they have a relationship with the Father through the Son via the Holy Spirit and in fellowship in the light of the church and in in the Bahasaite, part of the bride of the body of Christ. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you just as you spoke to Abraham. Just as you spoke to Isaac, just as you spoke to Jacob, just as you spoke to Moses and Elijah and uh, Joshua, and just as you spoke to Peter, James, and John, and Paul, you're still speaking to your people on earth today. And you want to move and you want to breathe upon them and you want to have your being in and through them. So God, tonight we honor you and we say, hear We are, I am ready to do your will. My life is no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. You shed your blood, Jesus. For me, so now you own me. I'm a prisoner to Christ. I'm a slave to Christ. I'm chained to the Word of God. I'm unchained from the darkness of this world, and I thank you, Lord. You're going to use this church like you never have before. So I thank you for the nourishment of God right now. The Spirit of the living God touch you right where you are. Touch you right where you are. I was in a meeting today and we talked a long time. And then I talked about you guys need to learn how to release the power. So I was going to give them a couple of tips on releasing the power. I didn't have to teach on releasing the power. The Lord released the power right in the room. Just right in the room. Just right, I felt it. I just, boom, they felt it. It was powerful. And so right now, the Lord's releasing his power right now on you to be that friend of God, to press forward, to walk the course, to run the race, to fight the good fight of faith, to not look back, to press forward, to always know greater is he that's in you than he or anybody else in this world. You're more than a conqueror. You're pressing on. You're the anointed one of God in the earth today. you carry the Christ. In you is the hope of glory. In you is a preach. In you is a teach. In you is a prophecy. In you is power to lay hands on the sick and see people healed of uncurable diseases. In you is the power to cast demons out of people in the world that they could be set free. In you is life. In you is the best of God through Christ Jesus, his son. In you, in you, in you, in you. It's in. He's in you. He's working through you. He's working for you. He's working to you. He's working. He's working. He's working. He's working. He's working. He's working. Work work with him. 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 I just saw somebody stand up and the power of God hit you. Just stand. If that's you, stand up. I see the power of God just hitting you. I see, I see the power of God hitting you. Just stand. Just stand. I ain't looking to see who's standing. Just stand. I feel the power of God being released right now for you, for you at this time.